what interventions are working, uh, which are not. And that helps us, uh, we have a finite amount of dollars yeah. and where can we maximize those dollars and where are we That's spending good. money that uh, is not effective. Jonathan, do you have anything to add to that? There's been a significant movement over the last 20 years from not just talking about outputs, but actually talking about outcomes. And the reason we should care about outcomes is that if we truly care about the most vulnerable, we want to move the most vulnerable who are coming in contact with right. state government from a position of dependency to some greater level of independency. All right, what's going on, guys? Caden Cleveland here with the Oklahoma State Senate, and you're joining us for another episode of OK Senate on Deck. It's a podcast that we shoot here from the Oklahoma State Capitol. Well, we got a very unique episode for you this week, guys, along with the President Pro Tem, Senator Greg Treat. We're going to have a guest along with us on the show, and it is Jonathan Small. Now, Jonathan is the president of the Oklahoma Council of Public Affairs. He's been in that position for a few years now. So what we're going to be doing is discussing a few different topics, but really we want to break down the topic of of data this week. And specifically, we're going to talk about how Oklahoma has actually increased in our data tracking metrics over the past few months. So we're going to break down that. We're going to look at a few different topics, some things that OCPA has been working on uh, that Jonathan's going to share with us. So hang tight, guys. we got a lot of stuff to talk about today, and we'll be right back. All right, hey guys, welcome back to another episode of OK Senate on Deck. As I mentioned before, along with Senator Greg Treat this week, we're going to be having a special guest, Jonathan Small, the president of the Oklahoma Council of Public Affairs. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. Good to absolutely, be here. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, so our viewers at home uh, know who our guest is this week. Want to get to know you just a little bit better, Jonathan. Uh, you're the president of the Oklahoma Council of Public Affairs, OCPA for short. Yep. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what OCPA, OCPA does? What and for the viewer at home that may not know, like what a think tank is, uh, maybe explain that just a little bit for us. Most definitely. So the Oklahoma Council of Public Affairs started in 1993 by a group of Oklahomans from across the state who wanted to try to make sure that there was a voice for free markets, limited government, right. individual initiative, and personal responsibility in Oklahoma. And so we approach all policy issues at the state level, uh, some issues at the local level, and then even some issues at the federal level from that perspective. Right. And so we work on any number of issues, whether it's corrections reform, taxation, education. And so we're always looking at those kinds of policy issues Love from it. those lenses. That's Love how we approach it. Very diverse topics that, that you guys weigh into all the time. Um, so uh, we're going to do something a little bit different this week. Senator Treat, I'm going to catch you off guard here a little bit, hopefully. Uh, but we're going to start doing uh, something a little bit different just to kind of give our viewers some uh, a little more insight on, onto who you guys are away from here at the Capitol. So I want to ask you all just a few uh, kind of icebreaker questions as we get going today uh, to kind of... Forward to this. Yeah. Yeah. Learn more about yeah. you. I've, I've kept them on edge with these questions. They don't know what's coming, so we'll see see what their responses are here. Um, Protium, I'm going to throw this one to you first uh, to get your thoughts. Uh, what is the most recent book that you've read? You know, I've been reading a lot on podcasts. Reading, <laughs> reading a lot on, on podcasts. podcasts. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's uh, that's called uh, verbal reading. Right? Yeah, well, you know, I. <laughs> 
It used to be called cassette tapes. There you go. Yeah, right. And the radio. <laughs> hey, you know, my car still has a cassette player in it. So oh, if you have any cassette tapes you want you me to listen to, I've Absolutely. got them, yeah. True fiscal conservative <laughs> yes, right there. Yes, it's uh, so, 217,000 miles. But I've been I've been listening to a lot of podcasts. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, one of your colleagues on staff uh, turned me on to Craig Rochelle's podcast yeah. on leadership. And I've been listening to a lot of that. That's taking place a lot of my reading. Before that, I read a book on Henry Bellman and uh, his life in politics in Oklahoma. Love it. Jonathan, how about you? So reading a book by John Acuff called Finish, and I finished that book. I turned right around and then violated one of the key provisions of the book, which is (laughs) it encourages people to be realistic about the goals they set. Mm -hmm. I set a ridiculous goal to try to lose 40 pounds by my 40th birthday. And? And... I'm at 22 pounds. You still got eight years yeah. left. Well, I've actually I've got three <laughs> weeks left, <laughs> three and I don't think I'm going to lose 18 pounds oh, in three man. weeks. Hey, oh, man, that's a good shot, though. Yeah. 22 pounds. That's pretty. Congrats on that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So cut your goals in half, and most of the time you you make them. So, so, so Craig Rochelle actually says double them. So uh, he did, you should have uh, tried to lose 80 pounds. So, well, yeah, that's pastors. They have a, <laughs> they have a vision that doesn't fit reality. If you would have so. set a goal to have 80 pounds lost, you would have lost that 40 pounds, Jonathan. That maybe. Mathematics, man. <laughs> yeah. All right, sorry. Se- yeah. Second question here that I want to get y'all's thoughts on. If you could have lunch with one historical figure from any era at all, or political, what, whatever, who would that be? Jonathan, I'll throw that to you first. Uh, if I could have lunch with and someone from This is from all any off the top of their head, so this is fun. Era. I think it would be uh, Frederick Douglass okay. uh, because he stood for a lot of the ideals and principles of the country and he actually supported many of the provisions that are taking a hit today. Really? He supported the idea of a strong system of states. He actually supported the three-fifths clause because it actually penalized southern states for trying to maintain slaves. Really? And he took a very significant kind of individual liberty type approach. The close second would be George Washington Carver, who also encouraged uh, particularly African-Americans to pursue individual responsibility as opposed to trying to pay back uh, whites or others who had wronged them. Love it. it. Senator Street, how about you? So mine's going to be a little different, uh, not as thoughtful as his. Uh, uh, (laughs) Baker Mayfield, right? (laughs) No, no, uh, my grandfather. My grandfather died when I was about four years old. That's cool. And uh, I've always held him in high esteem, but uh, my memories, you know, I always try to remember, is it a true memory or is it something I've seen in a photo that yeah. I think I remember? I just want to know what his voice sounded That's like, cool. to be honest with you. That's yeah. really cool. Definitely. Okay, one last question just to get some uh, background on both of you. And this is, there is a correct answer to this. So uh, who is your favorite OU quarterback of all time? Senator Treat? Of all time? Of all time, yeah. Oh, man, there's too many to mention. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I really, really like Sam Bradford a I lot. Yeah, uh, I thought he was the the full package, but of course, I, I love some Baker Mayfield yeah. too. Yeah, Jonathan, are you an OU fan? So I am an OU fan. Okay. Uh, sort of transplant. I went to UCO, and so it seems like if you're the Broncos, you UC, yes. If you, it seems like if you're a UCO, you sort of kind of adopt OU. Yeah. And uh, so I'm probably somewhat nostalgic. I probably am going to pick Jason White mm-hmm. uh, because our team played his high school basketball team and. He was just as good in high school basketball in 10th grade as he was football. Really? Of course, 
he was much better in football when I was playing college. Oh yeah, it was he torched us. He had like forty points and only played in three quarters. I it was pretty Nate ridiculous. Hibble. So I don't even remember who that is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Underrated man. Yeah. Underrated. He, yeah, along with along with Rhett Bomar, right? Yeah, yeah so Rhett we Bomar. Can't talk about that. Though. You know, Justin Fuentes probably would have been a better best quarterback had he been under the new system, but. I guess yeah. I mean, he was he was awesome. Yep. Well, sorry to say, but both of you are wrong. The correct answer is Baker Mayfield. So I so, said Baker Mayfield as a back. I kind of said five names. Right? Oh, okay. yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. one of my five. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you guys for for uh, allowing me to ask a few of those questions. Just allow us to get to know you a little bit better. Um, now that we got that out of the way, I want to ask you a little bit more uh, political relative to here at the Capitol. Get both your thoughts, Jonathan. Get your thoughts as our guest this week. Uh, but one of the main topics that we've been talking about a lot here at the Capitol lately, specifically here in the Senate, is data tracking. Right. Uh, specifically, the importance of it. Uh, well, well, first off, before we even go there, uh, Senator Treat, can you kind of give us some background on on what is data tracking and um, maybe why it's so important for uh, state government? Yeah, uh, we collect a ton of data as yeah. a state. We utilize very little data. So it's not a problem of collecting more data. There are some cases where we are not collecting appropriate data. Corrections comes to mind because right. there's still an antiquated system. IT is way behind in the Department of Corrections. And so you're not collecting the right data to make the right decisions. Is this person qualified for parole? Uh, other, other things along the way. But by and large, most of our state agencies collect a ton of data, sometimes too much data. Uh, but in order to maximize the use of taxpayer dollars, we've got to start using that data to make more data-informed decisions. Yeah. The vast majority of the private sector has gone there a long time ago uh, and been able to target where you need to put your resources, maximizing your resources. Uh, and we're looking at that uh, very intently this session, this interim, yeah. to figure out how can the state better use, utilize the data. For instance, let me give you a for instance. Okay. In education, we have the ability... And we have the data to be able to track a student's progress from kindergarten or pre-K in some instances mm -hmm. all the way through 12, 12th grade and redact the personal information. So we can see, is the teacher in the classroom for that year maximizing the potential of that kid? Like if, if you think that this kid from kindergarten through third grade, mm -hmm. they've made about a, a, almost a half a year progress. Right. That teacher in fourth grade may not be able to make a full year progress. But they can make three quarters of a year progress, and that is above what everyone else has been able to do with this child. And hmm. you'll be able to say, hey, this person didn't hit the mark of fourth grade, but they went a lot further than we expected wow. them to go. Okay. Uh, and if and, we can and, and individualize that, is that individual? Correct? We have the ability to do that. We have the data to do that. We have not done that yet. Wow. Uh, and there's fear. You know, a lot of times when you talk about uh, merit-based pay or anything like that, anything innovative, there's a, a natural fear that of, among teachers a lot of times or any state employee that you talk about that right. that oh I got the ones that that weren't going to perform so it's unfair to me because I I got a classroom of kids who came into the classroom right, right behind and all they're all I'm being judged on is this end of instruction or end of year test uh, and that's not fair and I agree with that so let's let's have a measurement up front to see where that kid should be and then then judge the effectiveness not only of the teacher but uh, is the uh, methods we're using or the textbooks we're using, uh, technology we're using, right. is it actually making a difference? So it sounds to me like uh, 
what you're saying is a lot to do with efficiencies and being able to really uh, just be able to, you say that data is available, but just being able to key in on that data. Is that correct? Yeah, and, and education is one that I came, came to mind, but you can use it in transportation. Exactly. You can use it in social services, so Department of Human Services, when you're tracking kids that go through maybe the foster care system. You can use it in mental health. Yeah. Uh, what interventions are working, uh, which are not? And that helps us. Uh, we have a finite amount of dollars. Yeah. And where can we maximize those dollars? And where are That's we good. spending money that uh, is not effective? Jonathan, do you have anything to add to that? You know, I think one thing that is important is I should mention my background. So I worked for the state for about eight years, starting right out of UCO with an accounting degree. I worked in the uh, Brad Henry Scott Meacham administration mm -hmm. as a budget analyst, then worked for the House of Representatives in some analyst roles. And a constant thing that I noticed during that time in the legislature early on is that there was much more significance, particularly by state agencies, on outputs. So inputs and outputs. Mm -hmm. Legislature, if you give me more money, we can serve more people. Right. And just like the senator said, there's been a significant movement over the last 20 years from not just talking about outputs, but actually talking about outcomes. Mm -hmm. And the reason we should care about outcomes is that if we truly care about the most vulnerable, we want to move the most vulnerable who are coming in contact with right. state government from a position of dependency to some greater level of independency. And for some people, some people that are in some of our programs, they're as far as they're going to go. Yeah. But for a lot of people, there's actually some best practices that can be implemented. And if we truly care about the most vulnerable, we're going to care about outcomes. And that's why we think this session was such a huge session as it relates yeah. to really changing the approach of the way government looks at things. Prior to this last year, most of the focus had always been on how much money can the legislature spend and then taxpayers were at fault because they weren't ready to pay more. Huh. However, how much ever more. I mean, prior to this year, state agencies would regularly request a billion to two billion dollars more than what the legislature was had available yeah. to appropriate. It just became a game, almost. right? Exactly. Yeah. But data can really move us forward, and we, we underutilize it. We've got to use it. You know, Loft is a subject that I've yeah, talked so, about a lot yeah, here on this podcast. And Loft, it, first step was creating it. Second step is hiring a competent director, making sure the committee uh, understands its role, and right. allowing that independent well, group to work and, and find real savings, but also efficiencies, program evaluation. The third step is to start putting in legislation metrics right. uh, where we can judge whether or not we're effective or not. A lot of times when you pass legislation at the Capitol, pat yourselves on the back, you may have a photo opportunity together, we post something on, on Twitter and on Facebook, you don't think about it again uh, until there's an issue. What I would love to see is for us to get in the mindset of every bill that we pass out here has an objective and has measurables in it to yes. say, are we actually hitting those goals? Because what you'll see a lot of times if you want to eliminate a program or adjust a program uh, in the state government, but also in the private sector, well, we've always done it that way. Well, what worked in the 1980s, what worked in the 1990s, what worked from 2000 to 2010 may not work right yeah. now. 
And we need to be able to have effective measurements to be able to make sure that we're still on track and that we're still aiming at the right target. That's good. So you mentioned Loft there, and you talked a little bit about the purpose of Loft. Just to kind of backtrack to uh, maybe a listener that may not know what Loft stand for or what exactly that is, can you kind of give us some background? We, we talk to an educated constituency on this Always, podcast. Always. They, oh. they share that these podcasts, or in case somebody knew. Oh, okay, yes. okay. Thank you for that. Yes. Uh, legislative Office of Fiscal <laughs> Transparency. So. Uh, prior to this year, Oklahoma did not have a bicameral, so between the House and the Senate, uh, a group to look at things independently. Yeah. And we, we would go into budget negotiations with the House and the governor, and all three of us would be working on a separate sheet of music. We'd have different data huh. points. So we'd spend the first month, three weeks to a month, just trying to reconcile the differences in our numbers. It's good to have various source, sources of information. Always, yes. And so I don't want to consolidate everything to one spreadsheet or one database. But I do want the legislature to have tools at its disposal to be able to make informed decisions. Great. And the health department uh, scandal, for lack of a better word, is it points to the need for it. Yes. Uh, second special session a year and a half ago or a year ago, whenever that was, um, we were told, if you don't give us $30 million, we will not make payroll this month. We didn't have money, if you remember, yep. at that time. So we stole from the next fiscal year terrible terrible practice but we had to do it to make payroll and then turns out that next june we found out they really had the money they were just trying to hide it from the legislature and we've got to have more effective tools to make sure that, that we we as the legislature are one of our most important jobs is writing that yep. budget we've got to have real information that's good so um give us the the purpose of loft jonathan i want to get your thoughts right. because you kind of give us some some uh, perspective that we haven't really talked right. uh, to anybody about before. Like you're outside the Capitol. I mean, you work here a lot, but uh, you're not an elected official. What are your thoughts on Loft and uh, the purpose behind it? And do you feel it see it uh, right. as being a, a, a inc increase or an improvement in data tracking? Right. Yeah. You know, I think that this year really could be characterized as a year of accountability at the legislature, if you will. I mean, there were significant measures that were passed Loft. Yeah. Also giving the governor greater ability to select managers and hold them accountable. And then just even saving a third of the available spending yeah. dollars that were available, increase in spending. That was unheard of in this building. It you wasn't know, a used typical to be session, was it? Right. And yeah. so those things should all be applauded. What Loft does, we feel like, if you understand the way politics and government works, I think it does work best for Oklahomans that we have a part-time legislature, and there's definitely data that seems to indicate that government is more limited when lawmakers are on a more part-time basis. Right. Well, one of the trade-offs on lawmakers being on a part-time basis is they have less time and less access to information to verify what That's they're true. being told by yep. agencies. And so Loft really helps bridge that gap to provide an independent viewpoint on what are agencies doing versus what they say they need? And are there areas where states should increase spending? There's been a lot of conversation from educators. Well, maybe Oklahoma needs to adopt an eight-year plan related to education, just like it did to transportation. Right. Well, in order for that to happen, one of the reasons that the legislature was able to do that with the Department of Transportation is there was a clear de deliverable. We're going to give you X amount of dollars, and that's going to result in a certain number of thousands of, of bridges, and, bridges yes, repaired right. and roads repaired. And so that's, to us, what 
is the great opportunity about wow. loft is it really gives a full-time function dedicated to the actual operation and efficiency of government legislative staff on both sides work very hard yes. but there's too much work to do that and then get involved in being almost kind of like a performance review agency is what Lofted really kind of acts like. That's good. I mean, it's, it's nice hearing you say, say that because you almost have a, 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 you talk about the potential of it, right. even talking about like the uh, transportation, what they did with the eight-year plan. You need data. You, right. need, you need sound data to be able to do those things. And, and Senator Tree, you think that's what Loft will, will be able to do for yeah, the Yeah, you, you can have measurables. You can have uh, effectiveness of dollars. It, yeah. it allows us... Heretofore, we've been very dependent on agencies to tell us if a program's working and or a constituency group that, that hires a lobbyist that benefits yeah. off that program. Yeah. And I'm not – there's nothing nefarious no, there. Right. Yeah. But you've got to take someone's livelihood out of the equation to say, is this program really effective? And it's not just effective if you enroll more people. Right. It's got to be, are we hitting the goal that we set? And a lot of legislation, again, heretofore, we haven't had the goal – enunciated in the legislation. My dream, my hope for the future with LOFT being fully implemented is to start putting those goals and yeah. those measurables in the legislation from, yeah. from day one. I think you hit on something really big there. and It's, it's the gauge of success and not the number of, of uh, I guess, individuals or people taking advantage of something, but the efficiency of something being implemented and right. the impact that it's having on individuals. So those are things that LOFT will be able to track. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Awesome. Absolutely. Love it. Love it. Okay, well, I wanted to get also, uh, Jonathan, specifically your thoughts on a project um, on the OCPA website. One of the main tabs on there is uh, your Save Our States project. Correct. And yes. I wanted to get your thoughts on um, or hear from you what exactly that, that is. Uh, it's something that, that uh, you all promote quite a bit. Right. And uh, what is it and why is it such a significant project for you guys? Yeah, no, definitely. So for states like Oklahoma, Middle America, right. One of the beauties of the way the United States of America was founded is that it allows each state a voice in who becomes president, yes. which is important for us. We're not a mobocracy. We don't rule by majority, straight up majority rules. In fact, we've seen that most pure democracies end up failing yeah. because eventually enough people can get tricked to take each other out right. and it doesn't it's work. Mob rule. It's yeah. right. Mob rule. So the founders were very brilliant. They created a system called the Electoral College, not to be confused with college football. And the Electoral <laughs> Which College has been the center of a lot of conversation between Senator Tree. So thank you for yes, that. Exactly. Yes. And so the Electoral College, what it essentially says is we're going to allot votes to each state based on their representation. So higher populated states still have a higher representation, but it helps to more marry the viewpoint of each state. Yeah. Long story short, really based out of cities like San Francisco, Los Angeles, Chicago, Philadelphia, and New York City, who think Oklahomans and middle America should just shut up and make their food, they're running a provision to eliminate the, national, eliminate the Electoral College and force states to declare their electors to whoever won the national popular vote. And there's some political reasons why they're doing that. But why we should be concerned about it here in Oklahoma, or if you're not in one of those five cities, is that the Electoral College actually helps preserve diversity. Yep. Uh, we want California to be able to be California. They want to continue to adopt policies that are causing people to leave there and move to Oklahoma. Uh, 
OCPA has members who have moved out of California because their regulations are too onerous. But we want California to be able to do that. We want Illinois to be able to rack up its pension debt. Hopefully they'll deal with it. But Hopefully. they shouldn't be rewarded with that right. by then essentially removing the lines of the states and being able to be entirely able to control who's president by population. The other real quick thing about that is right now, the way our electoral college works, it protects us from fraud. So most people don't realize it, but Oklahoma is looked to for its success in election time ballots, where you, you'll see a lot of states. Long ago, Oklahoma went to a Scantron system, which cut out all the problems with, you know, hanging chads and, you know, punch holes not working. You get rid of the electoral college and you immediately create an incentive for some of the more fraudulent cities wow. to basically print ballots. Because right now there's no reward for them to doing that. And you've already seen the news stories where you've got precincts that have more than 100% right. voter participation right. reporting. And so that's or, why or this issue People who have passed away voting. Exactly. Like yeah, you know, dead people voting. <laughs> and so that's an issue that's extremely important. And proof that it's bipartisan is that the Democrat governor in Nevada actually vetoed the measure that would have forced Nevada's electoral votes to a national popular vote winner. And because he recognized uh, this is fundamental to the system that we've created. We are a state-based system. We're not France or some other yep. country that has a centralized federal government that runs everything. That's good. Senator Tree, do you have anything to add on that? I think he encapsulated it well. He, That's good. I think that people need to educate themselves on why the Electoral College was first founded. Yes. I mean, when he talked about the three-fifths compromise earlier, I was excited to hear him give that perspective because so many people, when I go around to college campuses, when I go to high schools, they're misinformed on yeah. that. They don't realize the abolitionists were pushing to have that because they didn't want the states to have more representation in Congress. A lot of people don't understand the Electoral College, that, you know, one man, one vote. There's, it's wrong that somebody gets elected when they don't have the majority of the national vote. It completely erodes the very fabric of our founding, of states founding the national government, not the other way around. Yep. Uh, and if you read the Federalist Papers at all, that would be a dire warning. If we go the opposite direction, uh, Articles of Confederation obviously were too weak. They did say, hey, there's some reasons to put uh, some power in, in the federal government, but the states maintain their authority. Uh, Article 10 couldn't be clearer on that. Article 9, reserving the powers to the individual, couldn't be more clear on that. We've got to make sure we preserve that. If we don't, states like Oklahoma uh, will be completely irrelevant. Um, you know, they did away with um, state legislatures picking U.S. senators a while back, and that was part of the founding, too, to have states' rights represented in D.C. That's That's been eroded. Yeah. That's not going away. Uh, but we cannot allow uh, national popular vote to, to, to go forward and, and erode the very fabric of how this country was founded. And, and you said it right there, and this is such a significant issue. When, when you really think, a lot of people over, overlook this, don't really right. know what the conversation is. This is a very significant issue, right. especially for Oklahoma, because... Without the Electoral College, like you said, you both said, right. we lose our voice yep. uh, as far as uh, national votes and things like that go. Right. So, um, but I'm, I'm glad to bring that we brought that up that uh, to get your thoughts on that right. to really reinforce the importance of that. So yeah, no, it's, it, it, it it relates to just the basic fundamentals uh, fundamentals of what this country is about. We're we're built from the states up, yep. not the other way around. 
It's very good. So if somebody else uh, who's listening here wants to find out more information about that, Jonathan, where, where, where do they go exactly? I encourage them to go to our website, www.ocpathink.org, and it's one of our most significant projects that we have going on right now. Yeah. And then they can also catch up on news at our Center for Independent Journalism, gotcha. which is doing a great job covering stories that uh, the liberal media doesn't like to cover so many times. That's good. Well, uh, about out of time here, but uh, as customary each week, uh, Senator Treat, do you have anything else you wanted to add before we sign off? You know, the more I've been thinking about it, oh, I need to add a six quarterback to the mix. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I want to see if J.C. Watts is watching. Oh, J.C. Watts <laughs> is my favorite OU quarterback ever. Hey, we need to have J.C. on the show here. We, we do need to have J.C. I like it. I ran into him in D.C. when we were there last yeah. time, and uh, he's just a uh, an awesome guy, still working hard uh, Love it. to pervert, uh, preserve our republic and doing doing yep. a lot of good work. Great advocate for corrections reform been yeah. in Oklahoma on that issue. Love, so. that. Love that. Jonathan, thank you so much again for joining us. This well, thank week. you guys uh, both for having me. It has been a pleasure having you on, Senator Treat. Thank you again for explaining all these important issues. These are all very significant issues for Oklahoma, both on a state government level. We talk about data tracking, but then also the, the national right. conversation of the Electoral College, Jonathan, yep. that, uh, that you talked about was just a significant issue for right. Oklahoma. I'm glad we were able to expound on that. So. No, glad to be here. Thank you. So, Senator Treat, anything else? Nope. Appreciate it very much. Love if anyone it. wants to share a different opinion, email us. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll have Always. someone else on that has a different opinion. Uh, I happen to share his opinion, but I'd yeah. love to have a dialogue Always. on it and, and educate uh, everyone who's listening on, on the different sides of these issues. Yeah, Just like uh, Senator Retreat said there, uh, you can always email us here at the podcast if you have questions or uh, if you want us follow-up information or anything like that of anything we discussed today, feel free to email us at ondeck at oksenate.gov. Uh, that goes directly to us here at the podcast, and we'll be sure to answer any questions that you have. So beyond that, I guess we will see you next week with another episode of OK Senate On Deck. Thanks, guys. Bye.